Radiodrome. Radiodrome, episode 38, and I am all dignified and stoic. <laughs> I don't know why I am, but I am. It's because we're talking about pretentious movies this episode. No, we're talking about 80s slashers. Oh, right. <laughs> but the really artsy ones. <laughs> I'd really like to see a Night Dream-style slasher movie from the 80s. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. As you can hear, Brad Jones is with me as well as Jared Huh Foils. Uh, huh? Exactly. Now, we got to get our sponsor out of the way right away, and then we got a piece of fan mail that I'm going to read on the air. I'm going to leave the guy's name out because it's one of those. Have you seen that internet meme with the Joker, not sure if serious? Well, that's what this email is, guys. But nice. first, go to adamandeve.com. And if you use the promo code DROME, you'll get 50% off a single item, you'll get free shipping, three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift. I mean, you can't lose. Let's put it this way. Cucumbers belong in salads, not in people. Go to adamandeve.com to get the thing that goes in people. Honestly, it does make the cucumber taste slightly better. A little saltier, a little tangier. (laughs) Exactly. Save a cucumber for a salad and go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME. Unless it's a Greek salad. (laughs) No, if it's a Greek salad, it'll taste like something different. (laughs) And it won't smell right. That's right. Okay, now again, I'm going to leave the guy's name out, but we got this email. Dear Sir, thank you for the pocket anus. That's not a good sign right there. I'm a listener of your fine radio program and would like to thank the lot of you on the recent purchase of my Brie Olson pocket anus. With your discount, I am able to still purchase my new pocket anus, pay for the kids' arithmetic book, and also pay for the the aromatherapy that is due on my morphine tab. What a bargain. This is my first sex toy purchase, so when my betrothed finds it, she may leave me. Of course, I will still have the pocket anus, and it knows how to shut the f*** up. This is a win-win. Doing my part to support the show's first sponsor, I bid thee all gentlemanly tidings, person's name, Esquire. Now, what do you, what do you guys think? Serious? He's, he's, a smart, he's a smart consumer. You know, he got the pocket anus and still had enough money to pay for his kids' books. He's a responsible parent. I'm so. sorry, but I gotta know. <laughs> He's a responsible parent. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> With I a pocket know. anus. What's, what's the difference between a pocket anus and a pocket vagina? One is I would an assume. anus and one's a vagina. Well, but it's, it's, <laughs> thank you, Brad. Right to the point. Well, <laughs> it's okay. So the pocket anus has like poo coming out of it, or no? I would assume just, it'd be tighter. Yeah, it'll be tighter. You might have to lube your dick up a little bit. <laughs> well, this show's taking a downturn real fast, didn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, I honestly think it's a troll. You know, uh, I play enough WoW. I see enough jokers on trade chat to know. You know, that it sounds also, like a troll. It also could be legitimate. You know, which which either or. If it's fake, it's funny. It if, is fun. If it's real, hey, we got this guy a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So again, it's kind of win win for us. Yeah. All right. Now I told you guys before the show I have a small rant, and I know yeah. you guys are. At least I hope you guys are going to come down on my side on this. Yeah. All right, I went to go see Contagion on Friday. Take a nap. <laughs> Shut up. I went to go see Contagion on Friday with my wife. Yeah. By the way, before we get into anything more, really, really good movie. 
That's what I've heard. I've, I've liked, heard it's good. I like Contagion a lot. We go to the Sturgeon Bay movie theater. I live in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. And the trailers play fine. The commercials play fine. You know, the cell phone commercials and car commercials. Yeah. Everything plays fine. And then the movie starts. And yeah. we notice big yellow subtitles across the bottom of the screen. Oh. You went to a closed caption screening? No. The open captioning was stuck on. They couldn't figure out how to turn open captioning off. Oh. So to make matters worse, the open captioning is taking up the bottom fifth of the screen. I mean, these things were huge. Yeah. And they were appearing two seconds prior to the dialogue being spoken. Oh, yeah, yeah. So after a couple of minutes of this, I go out and ask for my money back. And I get the, literally in this, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Sorry. This, we don't care. Just screw you. I don't care. And the woman went back to eating her popcorn behind the counter. That just sounds like you got yourself a a bad employee because an employee should have given you your money back for that. Like really, really should have. Like that that can't that can't possibly put their policies there. I, well no, I, they, they, they did give me my money back. But okay, it was the attitude of that they didn't care. And then here's the kicker to all this. We went to the third screening that night. Yeah. They knew when we bought our tickets to this movie that it was broken. Yeah. And nobody bothered to tell us Oh, hey, open captioning is stuck on. Will that be a problem for you? Yeah. And so I'm saying this right now. F*** the Sturgeon Bay Cinema. Mm -hmm. Screw you. My wife and I went and drove an hour to Green Bay to go see the movie at a real movie theater. Yeah. And the movie was damn good. So Sturgeon Bay Cinema, f*** you. So you you went to go get your money back after two minutes of... After after two minutes of noticing it like that, did you did you just go to another screening of it or something? No, we went to a different theater an hour away. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. We, we went to Green Bay and went to a real movie theater that, and I made sure to call first to make sure that theirs wasn't broken. And they actually laughed. They couldn't believe that Sturgeon Bay would still show the movie like that. Yeah, yeah. I I can't I can't do that. I'm I'm really really I'm I'm ADD pretty bad. So I can't like. My my friend Sarah, she likes having the captions on when she watches stuff. Sometimes I I can't do it. It's too it's distracting. My yeah. eyes are constantly going down to the bottom of the screen. Same here. Like I, I I it's insanely distracting and takes you out of the movie. I so I know some people kind of like that. I guess if they're half paying attention to the movie or something. But uh, when when someone turns that on, I'm usually like, can you can you please shut that off? Because I'm. I, I can't follow what's going on. I've got a lot of friends that are anime uh, fans, and uh, they also uh, like to watch their anime in Japanese with the subtitles. Well, that I don't mind. I'm not talking about that. I, I don't mind subtitles on a foreign film or something like that. I'm talking about when the movie is in English and they still have subtitles. On. That's what oh. I'm talking about. Um, so, so, yeah, if it's a foreign thing, that, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me at all because you're you're supposed. If you don't understand the language, you're supposed to be reading it. Like exactly. That. But when it's in English and you know, the, the captions are in, are turned on and in English it's insanely distracting because I keep looking down at the bottom of the thing. But it, it, it's kind of the same thing because you even in an anime, you know you're still reading the caption more than watching the actual movie. Well, I have I, show. that doesn't bother me. I've got re- I've got really, really good peripheral vision so <laughs> th- that doesn't bother me. It's just the idea that I shouldn't have to be looking down there when it's English uh, English captions right. on an, on 
something that's already in, in English. Well, but look at it like this. Now that I've seen the movie, there are large chunks of the movie that are subtitled anyway because characters are speaking Chinese. Yeah. So I'm wondering, would the closed captioning have covered up the actual English subtitles that were supposed to be in the movie? Uh-huh. Or would they have not? And it kept covering up. The movie has these this running thing of like day number, you know, to know how long the outbreak has been going for. Oh, yeah. And they were covering up all that information, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like, no, to me, the movie was unwatchable in that state. Yeah. And I wasn't the only one that went and got their money back, too. A lot of people went up and got pissed. There was uh, no... I'm sure. There was no reason that, that those employees couldn't have told all the people that were buying a ticket to Contagion that there was a problem with the projector that night. Yeah, that... Um, I was going to go see something with uh, this this girl I was going out with at the time. I, I, uh, I can't remember what the movie was. I think it was like I think it was American Gangster. We were going to go see American Gangster, and it was an open caption screening. But but the person at the ticket booth told us that, which thank God. Uh, they were like, you know, an open captioning, and and we're like, oh oh okay. Um, and that and and it was one of those things like, oh, okay, I, I think we'll we'll go see something else. <laughs> well, and I wanted to speak about Contagion for a minute. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast that I'm not going to say I generally like, but I listen to on a relatively regular basis, depending on their topic. Yeah. And they hated the movie for what I consider all the wrong reasons. Yeah. These were that to me, these were people that either didn't get this movie or they wanted a remake of Outbreak. Okay. They yeah. were complaining that nothing was spelled out for them. That huh. if you were not a scientist, you couldn't understand a lot of the back and forth between the CDC people, and they wanted everything spelled out. And their biggest complaint: there was no huge action scene when they discovered the what the cure. The cure. Well, they uh, they should have gone to the open uh, the open captain screening. It would have been spelled out for them. <laughs> ha, literally. Yeah. But no, I'm just thinking: is that something that's wrong with? the current moviegoer, that when an intelligent movie comes along that actually makes you think a little bit and makes you pay attention, they were calling that a bad thing, that the movie wasn't fun anymore. Too confusing. Boo. I, I, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I kind of felt insulted that these people just wanted Outbreak, which is a big, dumb action movie. And it's like, no, Contagion was very smart, incredibly well-directed, incredibly well-paced. Mm-hmm. And and they hated it because of that, because there were no action scenes, and because you actually had to kind of know what some quote-unquote big words were. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I will stick to action movies with Bruce Willis. Thank you very much. <laughs> Although I am, I am very, very, I am very, very proud of this country in the sense that Bucky Larson didn't even make the top ten last weekend. Oh, thank that looks you. so bad. Wow, <laughs> that looked bad. It went to Showplace 12, too, so if it came out in the summer, it would have had a midnight screening. You, <sighs> so dodge you, that bullet. You missed, you missed it. Man. Dodge that bullet. <laughs> so l- let me get this straight, Jared. You, you couldn't dodge Judy Moody or the Smurfs, but you're happy you dodged uh-huh, Bucky Larson. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I did dodge the Smurfs. Oh, that's right, yeah, because you were seeing Kenny Chesney. That was so much better. I would rather go see the Smurfs. Me too. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, I, I just told a fan this um, earlier today. I had a decent time at Kenny Chesney. Um, the you got only lucky time after the I show, really huh? wanted to stick my fingers in my ears was whenever he played She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. 
any other time, every other song was, I, I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I wasn't having the time of my life. You know, I wasn't like, we are right, but I was, I was just standing there sipping on a um, eleven dollar twenty four ounce beer and you know having a deep time. I do it, man. I would rather have seen the Smurfs. <laughs> I would have rather th- seen the Smurfs meet Judy Moody. I'd rather. I'd honestly rather go see Bucky Larson. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> well, because, Jared, you, you weren't here that night, obviously, because you were at the concert. Brad and I were making fun of you that my wife has gone to see The Misfits and Henry Rollins and Guar and bands like that with me, but I would uh-huh. not go see Boys to Men with her. Does that make me a bad husband? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, no, not necessarily. Like she, okay. went, she went to go see those others with you, but you wouldn't go see the other ones with her. Does she like those other bands? She tolerates them. Um. Well, she ended up going to Boys to Men with her sister. I I I would say that it would be different if uh, she went to those and it was like a mutual thing, like you both really really like these, but then the Boys to Men thing, you didn't like it. I would say there'd be a difference there. But right. if it's like okay, she just sort of went to these because she tolerated it and, and tolerated it. You know, I'm gonna have yeah, to look yeah, up. Yeah, I, 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 if that if that happened to me, I probably would have had to have gone to see Boys to Men. <laughs> you know, I'm. You would have been uh, sleeping at Jared's. Look up that episode that you guys are talking about. I I didn't know you guys uh, were making fun of me. Gee, thanks, guys. Um, you weren't went there. That's <laughs> yeah. Did you really think we weren't going to make fun of you, <laughs> what, Foils? What, were we supposed to be jealous of you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Not no, happening. Um, no, the uh, but that that was basically the idea of of this. See, I I, I took her to Rush, and um, she, I mean, she she kind of oh yeah, look at her making making faces. <laughs> um, she's making faces right now. No, she had a she had a decent time. She tolerated it. So, you know, I wanted to return the favor. I I would go and tolerate Kenny Chesney until he played. She thinks my tractor is sexy. So, Brad, if okay. Brad, if, if Jillian invited you to something like that and you didn't want to go, would you end up just sleeping on Jared's couch? Um, if if I dragged her to uh... no, if she dragged you and you didn't, you refused to go, which would, would you end up sleeping well, no, somewhere no, else? See, that's different. That's that's different. If she if she if it was just like a one thing and she wanted to go, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I. Uh... Yeah, I would. I would try to find. I would probably try to find some way out of it. But if I owed her a favor, and that like, and that like I or she did something for me or something, right? Then... Now, now you see, it's it's kind of it's kind of a I owed her. Uh, I owed uh, my girlfriend a favor. Slash, I didn't mind Kenny Chesney. I, I wouldn't have minded Kenny Chesney as much as say, oh God, uh, Celine Dion. Oh God, yeah. yeah oh, I dude, have, I have dude. Justin Bieber. You know, honey, I love you, but if you if you ever want to go see Celine, have fun. <laughs> I'd rather go see Celine Dion than Kenny Chesney. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go see Celine Dion sings the Smurfs. I, oh, that that actually might be kind of no, interesting. no, 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 no. <laughs> that actually might be kind of funny. <laughs> Sing a happy song. <laughs> I think that's Cher you're doing. <laughs> no, no, no. Cher these days is that's Bob Dylan. <laughs> Jared, I think you're confusing your gay icons. <laughs> Bob Dylan's not gay. <laughs> no, but Cher and Celine Dion are, or at least they're big in the gay community. 
And, and, and now that I've said that, that guy that's on your forum that's always accusing me of being a racist is going to come out and rather than actually email me and, you know, confront me about what he thinks my racism is, he just anonymously posts on your forum that I'm a racist. Is it the same guy who said that I was a uh, dwarfist, I guess? You're dwarfist? I didn't, I didn't see that one, so I don't know. Some PC, some PC police guy. Uh, yeah, there's a guy that's constantly complaining about how Jared and I are racist because we don't want a black Nick Fury or a black Spider-Man. <laughs> that's not racism, okay? That's that's just we we've read these uh, comic books. It's it's a, a certain way. Don't change it. I don't know? think it's. I don't think that's. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's racist because on the flip side of that, you wouldn't want you know white. Blade, white shaft, white dolomite. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see white. Sh- I still think Jason Statham would be a great John Shaft. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be perfect. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> but I'm talking about Jason. <laughs> we can dig it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, did you guys just see? I haven't picked it up yet, but the Shaft TV series just came out on DVD. The TV movies. Yeah, he had he had a seven episode TV series. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I and, just I don't know if I ever saw that. I saw the two uh, the TV movies, uh, Big Score and Goes to Africa. No, he had a TV. Well, they were basically TV movies. They were a ninety minute time slot, so they're like yeah. an hour and ten minutes without commercials. Oh, he had a, I, he had a seven I episode run. Clue Gulliger is an, a mafia hitman in the first episode. Oh, cool. <laughs> so those just came out on DVD. I'm looking to pick those up because I liked the Shaft TV series. I thought was it was it pretty good. Was it still Roundtree? Yep, it was still Roundtree. Nice. And it was actually pretty decent. They were, for 1973, they were some pretty hardcore episodes, too. I'll have to check, I'll have to check that out. That's I mean, cool. You, of all people, would probably love it. Not only is it 70s TV, but it's Shaft. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I would love it. I've never seen it. <laughs> TNT used I, I, to show them. TNT used to run the reruns in the nineties. Oh, that's nice. where all my cop all my copies are from TNT. Well, we did. We, speaking of like TV series that are basically TV movies, did I did I tell you this last week that we watched some of uh, that show that Seagal is uh, trying to get networks to pick up? You told me oh, we weren't recording, but yeah, you told you told me about it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. True. Uh, true justice. I've, I've oh. got I've got all those now. I just I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. I've heard they're not bad. Am I? If I heard wrong? Honestly, I I watched it and when it's it's certainly not that bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's certainly not that bad compared to his direct to D, to a lot of his direct to DVD movies. Because in this one. He's bl- he, he. It looks like he's he's lost a little bit of weight for it. He's he's not as big, and it's it's filmed a lot better. And like, he's he's back to breaking a lot of bones again. He 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 definitely do- he does a lot of his old school moves in it. He's wearing like you know the black outfit like he used to wear in a lot of his movies, but it's still he still does that thing that he does that he kind of picked up on in his in his later years where. He talks. He starts talking like the ethnicity of whoever he's acting opposite of. Oh, that's bad. Even if the other person isn't talking like that, like for instance, he's in the car with uh, 
with the, with this black dude, and he starts talking kind of ghetto, and he says stuff like "I eat" and stuff like that. At one point, he's talking to a bunch of rednecks, and he he starts sort of talking like that. He uses like a Creole accent at one point, and then one scene, he's just talking to this girl, and he sounds like himself. Man, don't do that, please. Like this this could be like really really good if he just dropped that. I mean, it wouldn't be great, but it's so rare nowadays for the past several years it's so rare that you actually see Seagal trying well what one and of in the this things, one he <clears throat> and in this one he is one of the things i've heard is it, it's almost like he put his ego in, in check but that he gives a lot of the supporting cast good guys a lot of screen time a lot more a lot more than like his movies team. yeah he he does it's like a team that he works with so i mean that's actually Seagal kind of taking his ego down a notch a little bit too because yeah. in his movies, he's always the boss. You know, he's yeah. always the main character. And I've heard in this, he's part of the cast. Are you telling me Casey Ryback is on this train? <laughs> I still haven't seen two. I told you, I still really. Haven't. I, you haven't seen Under Siege two? No, that's that's one of the one of the Seagal movies I haven't seen. Pretty oh, much Under, pr- Under Siege. Under Siege two is fun. Pretty much that and Glimmer Man were the two theatricals I hadn't seen. I all of his theatricals I saw in the theater. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I actually, I take that back because when I, when I got into, when I really got into Steven Seagal with my dad, I think, like, Hard to Kill had come out on video or something. So it was the ones after that, and after that, I saw all of his theatricals. And Glimmer Man, Glimmer Man has its moments. It, it, it has parts in it that are that are fun, but it's it's when he started like. It's 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 when things started to go. It's when well, I shouldn't say started to go because on Deadly Ground was was before Glimmer Man. You know there were there were some there were some low points of it that were evident in you know some of his later movies. But it was it was it's okay. Yeah, I've got it downloaded. I bootlegged it, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I've, I also recently found the VHS of it, of course. So I might as well I might just watch it on VHS, but the bootleg is widescreen, so I'll probably end up watching that one. Yeah, it's it, it's got it's got its moments. It's, right. it's a lot better in terms of its theatricals. It's a lot better than uh, on Deadly Ground and Fire Down Below and Exit Wounds and Half Past Dead. See, I don't I don't even consider Half Past Dead or a theatrical. I consider that a, one of his direct videos that happened to get a theatrical release. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's kind of like calling Return to Peter Pan a theatrical movie. Yeah, it's like calling Shock Treatment an actual sequel to to Rocky Horror. Though I do love Shock Treatment. Ooh, Shock Treatment. I I, I like I like Shock Treatment quite a bit. All right. Well, we got a half hour left in the show. Let's actually talk about our topic tonight. Now that we're done with all the side crap. <laughs> okay, last week we, we did the Siskel and Ebert a Moron special. And I said this week we'd actually analyze that early 80s slasher genre phenomenon. Now, obviously, Halloween's the movie that really started this. Mm-hmm. But I would go one further and say Friday the 13th is the movie that broke it open. Because after Halloween, to me, you didn't see all that many slashers. After Friday the 13th, there was a new slasher movie coming out every month. Yeah, because with Halloween, nineteen eight or nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight, and uh, Friday the Thirteenth, nineteen eighty, in those two years, yeah, you're right. You know, not not to the extent of of all the ones that you saw post nineteen eighty, but Friday the Thirteenth showed that 
you know, you could do a quickie flick like that, you know, on on the cheap, get it picked up by a major distributor, and it would make a, a ton of money. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely Halloween, you know, appears to be the start of that particular era of pressure, but... Yeah, after after Friday the 13th, it, it was pretty clear that, that these could make quite a bit of money. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to ask both of you, not continuity-wise, like the order that they came out, what was the first, what we would call the re- a real slasher movie that both of you saw? With me, it was Friday the 13th Part 2. That was the first one I saw. The first slasher movie? Right. Oh, I'm going to have to go real far back. Um... Yeah, this for me that was going back. That's going back to fifth grade, because US the US the USA Network would show them a lot. So Friday the Thirteenth Part Two was the first one I saw. I'm gonna guess if you saw it on USA, you saw it on Saturday Nightmares. It was. Uh, I think it might have been like a Friday the Thirteenth weekend because okay. they were showing they were showing a bunch of them. Okay. Nightmare on Elm to be a slasher film. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Nightmare on Elm Street's Na- in there. Yeah. The first one, I'm assuming then. One of them. I can't remember which one. Because I'd have to say the first one I actually saw all the way through was Texas Chainsaw, but I didn't see it, obviously, in 74. I wasn't even born yet. I saw Texas Chainsaw for the first time around 1980 or 81 when I don't know how they thought this would be a good one to do this for, but that was sold into syndication. So a lot of syndicated channels would show Texas Chainsaw in the early 80s. Beautiful. When, when did I see Texas Chainsaw? It was it was early eighties. I was, uh that you saw Chainsaw. Yeah, uh, I saw Chainsaw. Six eighty seven. Um, I I saw cha- I rented Chainsaw. I rented. Yeah, it. me I too. Was, I was in junior high. Yeah. yeah see, I um, saw it on a UHF channel, and you know, in my mind, everything good was cut. And then once I saw it years later, uncut, I said they barely cut anything out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the movie's not nearly as gory and bloody as everyone seems to think it is. No, no. People, when they hear the title of it, they have a picture in their head of, of what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, and it's always, you know... The sequel some... was kind of gory. Well, the yeah, sequel was so... The... Yeah, but the once sequel was... The later movies. But you got to remember, Jared, that Texas Chainsaw 2 was actually a parody of the first film, made by the same people. Yeah, Chainsaw It was not meant to be serious. Chainsaw 2, it kind of gives you... What I yeah, what a lot of people pictured in their head when they hear the title Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because um, they do. When you hear it's such an over the top title that when you yeah. hear that you do picture just a guy hacking people left and right with a chainsaw. Yeah, and the movie the the first movie is is a, is a lot more than that. It's much more disturbing and and uh, and psychological. I'm just glad they didn't go with the. I, I really wonder if sometimes when you hear about alternate titles if the movie would have been as successful if it had gone under the title Head Cheese that it was actually shot under. Or Halloween with the babysitter murders. Yeah, that's... I really don't think these movies would have been as successful with what I consider really dumb, bland titles. Like, that was one of the problems I had with Contagion. That title is terrible. Yeah. It's bland and it seems like a TV movie. Yeah. I would have preferred a better title for Contagion. The babysitter murders sounds like a TV movie. Head cheese sounds like a sitcom. Head cheese, it sounds like it sounds like a sitcom or like an eighties teen sex comedy. Yeah, it just Yeah, head cheese would not have made me go, ooh, I need to watch this. Yeah, oh I gotta watch this movie. It's gonna be great. 
<laughs> well, because then, okay, you, we, you had the huge boom after Friday the 13th came out, where, yeah. like, literally... Every studio, every major studio, every indie, even though even basically the just above shot on video people were putting out a slasher film because you could literally shoot them in three weeks, have them out two more weeks later in theaters for usually under half a million dollars, and you'd always make a profit. Yeah. I mean, I don't think up until about 84, one of these slasher movies lost money. Yeah. Because you knew people would go to them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was the problem. These things were so slapdash, no pun intended, they were just pushed out. Most of them really sucked. But honestly, they did it... You see, here's my... Here's what I consider the big difference between the ones back then and the ones now. And I think it's a reason why I consider the ones now to be not all that great. One, the ones nowadays seem to be more ambitious, which I don't like that at all. And also, it's the characters. It's the characters, because then a lot of them still had very, very likable characters in them. Yes, a lot of them do end up getting killed, of course. It's a slasher movie. But you're still spending a movie with them, you know? You would like to find some of them to be kind of relatable or watchable, or, you know, you don't want them to annoy you. And nowadays... At least, I would say, dating dating back to, like, the mid-90s, from the mid-90s uh, to, to the present, it's like it's like the, the, the slasher flicks, they have this idea in their head that, be, that because these characters will probably end up getting killed, that means that they all have to be unlikable douchebags, mm-hmm. you know, they all have to be just grating and unwatchable like you want each and every one of them to die and i hate that because you're still you're still spending a movie with these characters and you still have to put up with a lot of them and there are some characters also when they when they get killed your your reaction is ah thank you uh-huh. you know instead of instead of oh that's a shame oh and, oh, and you know. in the in the 80s there would be some characters that you would be like oh, okay right on but it would be a character in them that would be the comic the, relief. Well, not even the not not necessarily the comic relief, but it would be a character who was who was supposed to be pretty bad. Like, okay, an example off the top of my head is like, uh, would Terry Kaiser was the evil uh, psychiatrist in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, like like that, like you knew he was going to die, and when he did, it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, like that. But he was clearly a villain in that movie. Yeah. Um, well, and then, do you ever think that, like Ebert was trying to to talk about last week, that people actually ha- hated the character so much, whether they were the good character or the bad character, that they were just going, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him? Or were you always part of you, always kind of rooting for the character to get one over on Jason or get one over on Freddy? I was always, I would kind of like to see them turn the tables on this psychopath. Yeah, me yeah. too. I mean, it, it was always because that's the bad guy. You know, you don't you don't want to root for the bad guy. And whenever and whenever these movies uh, are being made um, like they are nowadays, and and this is really funny because now you know I I kind of uh, I'm kind of uh, seeing foreseeing myself starting to sound like sound like those two back then, uh, but only talking about nowadays. 
but but yeah it, it just kind of like brad was saying it, it kind of seems like that now these characters are so ridiculous and so just are are just so unlikable stock yeah, yeah. That ever, whenever the killer finally does get to him, you're just like, ah, yes. You want a great example. Thank you. You want a great example of very, very likable characters in a slash movie, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four or Part Three. But, but anyway, I don't know if I to go back to to go to what you guys were saying. I, I don't know if I thought that. I don't know if I really thought that hard about it when watching them because you pretty much knew what the formula was going into it. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, you do want. Jason, Freddy, or Michael. You do want them to do something, because otherwise it's a boring movie. Right. You, you know, you do want them to do something, but then when it gets to... And then and then when it gets... It's not like... But, I mean, it's not like you're watching it as a sadist, yeah. or something like that. It's like, if they if the bad guy doesn't do something, it's a boring movie. Right. That's the same thing with action movies. The right. bad guy's gotta do something. But, yeah, when it gets to... When it gets to, like, okay, Michael Myers going after Laurie Strode, or... Pamela Voorhees going after Adrian King, you yeah. know that last survivor. You know, I yeah, you, you, you the, the they're after the villain. You know, Pamela Voorhees is the villain. Michael Myers is the villain. You know, no matter what the slasher movie is. And so yeah, I don't I don't think I was ever in a, a situation where I was necessarily rooting for the for, bad guy. Right. But yeah, it seems like that's what the modern ones do. The post scream ones, the killer is supposed to be like the audience's. Avatar, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. Well, okay, because so a like, lot of these, hang on a sec, Jared. A okay. lot of these, they are. Remember, Brad, when you described the ending of Blair Witch Two as just mean? Yeah. That's what these modern slasher movies seem to be. They seem to be mean, uh-huh. and I don't like that. They seem to be there to torment the audience as much as the characters. And I'm sorry, but. That totally turns me off of your movie. Yeah, I mean, um, look at like the Final Destination films. By all means, really don't have a villain. It's just characters dying in very, very horrible ways and, and stuff like that. So that really is just kind of a kind of a just like a stag reel of death scenes. That that entire series. I don't know if I don't know if I I. I I, I I think I know what you're. I think I know what you're saying. I, I don't know if I've really thought that in watching a lot of them because really what 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 I come down to in them is really does have a lot to do with the with how much I really don't like the characters in these movies, and I don't know maybe maybe that's maybe what you said is true in the sense that they make they make characters in these modern day slasher films so unlikable so you do root for the killer and then right. it's like extremely gruesome because a lot of them are a lot more oh. a lot more gruesome nowadays than they were back then even though nowadays also the trend of the PG-13 slasher film right. which is a joke right prime yeah. prime example of what he's saying it would be Freddy versus Jason okay? it was a terrible movie by the way exactly those kids in there were so annoying and so you, you you just really just want, wanted them to get killed just so they'd shut up. I mean, there, there was that girl that was like taunting Freddy. Oh, Freddy, what's wrong with you, man? Uh, oh, the, the the black so, chick about the Christmas sweater? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Well, and then just like, even, even our heroine, you know, even the chick, the, the not Brittany Murphy chick, yeah. even uh, you, you tell me she did not remind you that she was trying to be Brittany Murphy. 
No, I, she did. When I saw the trailer for that movie, I think I thought it was it, Brittany it, Murphy. It's just, it, you know, it's even just she was those, unlikable. When those characters died, you were just like, yes, I, I was, thank you. I was like, I'm like that. I was like that in all of the Scream movies. I'm, uh. I'm like that. I was like that definitely in the remake of Friday the 13th, right. which is why I really hated that movie because Friday the 13th, one of the things I always thought that series did very well was having very, very likable characters. Yeah. Even, like, you know, of course, I mentioned part four earlier, but even uh, Tom Matthews' is, uh, Tommy Jarvis in part six. Well, and I think uh, in part six, they have the most likable characters. Pretty much everyone he kills in part six is someone that you kind of go, they really didn't deserve that. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some really, really likable characters in six. And and I yeah I would I would say that that four and six have the most likable oh three three I, I would throw three in there too four in the sense that they're likable in the way that like the characters from Screwballs are likable in the way that like characters from Porky's are likable and six is more like realist realistic like some of the counselors and definitely Tommy Jarvis like they they come across like genuinely pretty good people right um, well and then you just reminded me of something else. Now, not not this doesn't happen as much with slashers. It seems to happen more with creature feature movies, for lack of a yeah. better description. What is with the screenwriting device of a bunch of people out to party that run into whatever, the slasher or the killer piranhas or the giant crocodile or the aliens or whatever? Wh- okay, I'm sorry. People that are out to party and get drunk. Those are not likable characters. No, no, we got to get our we got to get our rave on, man. Come on. <laughs> but it seems like every movie coming out now that's a creature feature, you know, slash slasher film has this this partying setup. Yeah. I hate that. That's a screenwriting crutch. I think. Right. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you. And I'm just and, like, and it just makes for um, terrible characters that you're not going to you're you're not at all going to side with. You're you're just to uh, start looking at your watch and be like, all right, I give this character ten minutes before he's, uh, you know... And the characters in it who are likable are the ones who really should be the focal point of the movie. It's always, uh, okay, to use as an example, Piranha 3D, uh, the Elizabeth Shue and Bing Rames characters. Really, really honestly should have just been the main characters in that movie. You could have had the partiers in there, yeah, because that was a pretty good scene. Because Jerry O'Connell was so unlikable in that... I just I'm actually a, mad he died that late in the movie. Yeah, like uh I I thought the teenagers were more unlikable than Jerry O'Connell was. You know, uh, the the yeah, the, I thought it was fine for the partiers to be there. I mean, in the sense that it that made for a really good scene when they all got when the piranha when the piranhas stormed through there. But, you know, you just leave it at that and have it be Elizabeth Shue and Bing Rames movie. And I, I, I gave that movie kind of like a lukewarm review. Um, but th- th- there were parts of it that I liked. But um, I really didn't need for some of those partiers to be the main characters in right. that movie. Well, and l- let's go back to the 80s and talk creature features then. Look at the difference between alligator and piranha to a modern creature feature of the same type. You cared about the the characters in Piranha. You cared yeah. about the character. You cared about the guys in in Alligator. You know, you cared about Robert Forster and uh, the chick whose name I can't remember. The scientist chick. You well, know, let's go yeah with uh, Hendrickson in Piranha too. Yeah, I mean, I the, the wife character. She was really annoying, but well, yeah. You know, but yeah, Lance Hendrickson was just awesome, and that you really wanted him to persevere in this situation. Uh huh. 
And now, like in Piranha 3D, even Ving Rhames and Lisbeth Shue were just kind of wasted. Well, I thought I thought they were wasted. I thought they were wasted in the sense that they should have been the main characters, and really the only characters of that movie. But when they were on screen, I thought they were fine. I I I, I thought they were. I thought I thought they were likable. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see either of them half-assing it. Some of the the other actors. And now, keep in mind, I know a lot of people in the porn industry, but those porn stars that were playing porn stars, girls, yeah. you weren't good actors. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if there's not something up your butt, you just can't act. I don't know. Because <laughs> they were really a bad. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people, whenever they see a bad actor, they're thinking, wow, he must have something up his butt. <laughs> and some of these might need it because they were not good. And, you know, not to say into porn too much, but lo- look at an actress like Ashlyn Gear. You well, know, back in those days, nowadays we have, nowadays, I, nowadays, uh, the modern day pornographic movie you really don't have to act that much whereas in the Gear days in the John Holmes days Marilyn Chambers these were movies these were movies they were just hardcore they were adult films but The Jade Pussycat it's a movie um Devil Miss Jones is a very well acted movie uh, Extremely. Entry. Uh, Harry Reams does a fantastic job in it. Well, and then to, to go... those movies required acting. Nowadays, they, the adult films don't. Well, and then like uh, one of the ones I review in my Hustler article, Sex World. Yeah. That movie, especially at the ending, it'll bowl you over with the emotion that there was real emotional content. These characters, these actors, really brought this through. Yeah. And it was a shot movie too. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, like like Ashlyn Gear, she did a bunch of horror. She started in horror before she was in porn. Have you ever yeah. seen Have you ever seen Evil Laugh? I don't think I've I don't think I've seen Evil Laugh. She I saw was, her in Creepazoids. Yeah, she was in Creepazoids. She was she was on the X Files, Space Above and Beyond, Millennium, Final Destination, the one. She worked for Morgan and Wong a lot. She she but she did a lot of mainstream stuff. She was on like Silk Stockings and NYPD Blue and that. And yeah. you don't get those kind of roles not being able to act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like, Marilyn Chambers in uh, Rabbit, starred in Rabbit. See, I haven't seen that one yet. I've heard she's quite good, but I have not. You've never seen Rabbit? I've oh, never seen like Rabbit. You'd like, you'd like that. Is that's that the, a good one. Is that the Cronenberg one? Yeah, yeah. Is that the one with the the apartment complex? That was uh, Shivers. Shivers. Okay, I was going to say, because I've seen the one with the apartment complex. That was that was shivers. Uh, check check out Rabbit. You'd you, you'd like Rabbit. I've still got to watch The Brood. I've still got a VHS of The Brood sitting in my to watch stack. Oh, that... The Brood's pretty. I I remember liking The Brood. That one's that one's pretty good. So I I've got that. But to go back to the slashers, it just seems like the modern ones. One thing I really hate about modern slashers, and this I absolutely blame Scream for, is the whole nudge nudge wink wink. We know we're in a slasher movie. Uh, Let, let's play up the cliches of the '80s slashers. I hate that crap. Yeah, I'm with you. I I can't, and I I think I, uh, if I recall, I think I took flack for trashing that series, but I I don't care. I I hate the Scream movies. That. That movie did a lot of bad to uh, the slasher genre. I'm sorry, but it it did. Well, and then an- another thing that modern, not just slashers, but modern horror movies seem to rely on is the nonsensical ending. Just last night, my son and I watched Dark Floors. Have you heard of that one? It's a relatively no. new movie. It's uh-huh. got... Uh, it's got William Hope from Aliens in it. Oh, okay. L- L- Lieutenant Gorman, he plays a, a douchebag uh, businessman. But yeah. 
the psychic girl who has autism and a nurse and her dad and a businessman and a security guard and a crazy guy are going up in the elevator and something happens and they basically Langoliers style fall out of time. Yeah. And it enters all these time loops and it's got some really effective scenes and then the very ending of the movie, spoiler alert, is all of a sudden they come back in time and the entire movie starts over again. And nothing, it's never explained how this happened or why this happened. Like, it just uh, it starts over, and that was the big twist ending. Is it's a time loop, like Nightmare City? <laughs> oh God, that and when that's going back to the seventies, pulling that crap. That was <laughs> what seventy seven, something like that. What Nightmare City? I think that was uh, I think that was early eighties. I, 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 I that was like eighty one or eighty two. Oh, I thought that was late seventies. Okay, I maybe actually I'm wrong. really like Nightmare City, but I, I know what you mean. Nightmare City though is is that. We were talking about this before uh, before the show, but that one that one's got sentimental value to me. That was the very first Italian horror movie I ever saw. Really? Uh, our, our video store had it, and so I was in sixth, seventh grade, something like, that, and rented it, and it was under City of the Walking Dead. Italian horror. By the way, that's going to be a subject for a later episode. We're going to do a whole one on Italian horror, but oh, cool! I I, I actually think. The American version of Creepers. I saw that. I, I gotta keep in mind. Even though I had cable, I watched a lot of movies on, on like you know WGN and like late night syndicated programs. Yeah. And I think I saw the American version of Creepers with Jennifer Conley. Or to me, it was look the girl from Labyrinth. <laughs> but I saw the, I saw Creepers, or I should say the American version of Phenomena. But yeah. I saw it as Creepers. I don't think that would have been my first because I know like I saw. I'm still going to consider Piranha 2 an Italian film, even though Henriksen and was in it and Cameron made it. It's still, as far as I'm concerned, an Italian film. Sure. But I, I know, like, I saw that, and I saw a couple of the zombie movies. and I mean, the syndicated stuff, for some reason, they, they syndicated some weird movies that needed a ton of cuts. I remember seeing Suspiria on, on a syndicated TV, and I'm like, in retrospect, I must have missed half the movie because it was gone. I don't know if I don't know if we got a lot of the Italian ones shown on TV like that here. If, if we did, I never came across them, which is odd because which which would be odd because I've watched so much of that stuff back then. But um, of the of the stuff in syndication, uh, but our our video store had a couple like I mentioned, City of the Walking Dead, but they had zombie. Uh, they had zombie and uh, cut and run. Or oh, cut and run. run. Yeah, cut and run was a cable staple. I saw that on yeah. cable all the time. Well, okay, yeah. we got five minutes left. Let me ask you guys now. Looking at it in a chronological order, where would you say the '80s slasher started to collapse in upon itself? With, with what movie or what year did you kind of go? Okay, this trend is starting to get bad. I don't know if I ever really thought that in the '80s. I mean, a lot. No, I'm, of, I'm well, asking you now. I'm asking you now. Well, looking now, back, now looking back, yes. I guess when a lot of them started, maybe when a lot of them started doing like the humor, the humor thing with with trying to make them comedies, like Saturday the Fourteenth, like what? Like Saturday the Fourteenth, or just a, no, a hardcore one? Was, Saturday the Fourteenth was Wait. was kind of a. Spoof comedy, right? anyway. I, I've never heard of Saturday the Fourteenth. Oh, I'll show it to you. It, th- there's a sequel too. Saturday the Fourteenth Strikes Back. Yeah. I mean, that was that was kind of its its own thing. But I, I mean, like you know, like 
Freddy kind of turned comedy and the Sleepaway Camp sequels and I, I don't know maybe 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 around there I, I I guess but I but there were still enough decent ones um, there were there were still enough decent ones of that even the one that used humor were fine like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six has a lot of humor in it and I like that movie a lot for me I I, I gotta say it, in the nineties. Uh, is when it to me it got really really bad. But in, in the eighties, I would have said like when they started doing more comedic stuff. If if I can make this as quick as possible, and uh, I'd like to real quickly uh, just kind of come to the defense of uh, of the scream um, the nineties uh, scream series, and here's why. Yes, maybe they might have destroyed the slasher uh, genre. However, I think Scream was really good for the mystery genre. There was a, a lot of fun in watching those movies and trying to guess who Scream is. Scream did not invent. You can you, I know seventy percent of the slasher films from the eighties were mystery movies. I, I never said they invented it, mm-hmm. but before Scream, when was the last? When was the last? mystery film. Scream is not a mystery film. It's a slasher It's a slasher film. movie that just happens to have a ridiculous plot twist. Slasher films all the time did that. Where the where the killer, you wouldn't see the killer well, till the end. Well, no, 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 not so much. Okay, there, there's not seeing the killer to the end to, to uh, That's what Scream did. That. It did the same thing as the other movies that where a killer wore a mask but, and you didn't. But there was also, but there was a lot of you know, who's the killer? In, in those, you know, was were you the killer? No, I was in jail. Are you the killer? No, dude, I was I was high all night last night. A lot night, of you know? slasher movies did that. Yeah, a lot of them did. When you when you go outside the main ones where you knew that Jason was, you knew Michael Myers one. Outside of that. if it was a new franchise, yeah, there was it was usually the who's the killer, big mystery, and then when you find out, you go, you look back at the movie and you go to yourself, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. How could that character have done that? Because that contradicts something that the character A did over here. Well, and that also goes along with like in the second one, whenever they found out that Lori Loughlin was was the uh, killer. Lori like, Metcalf. Yeah, her too. Lori Loughlin uh, with the Full House chick. <laughs> yes, the roast of Bob Saget's on, and I'm just kind of like glancing over, and so that's that's kind of where I got that. My bad. You're thinking um, of Amityville Three. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, when when Laurie Metcalf was the uh, was the killer, it's all like um, okay, that doesn't really seem to make much sense. But whatever, let's go with it. You know. <laughs> See, I, I wasn't willing to. Now we we got to shut this down because we're running out of time. Okay. Okay. So you can find Brad at cinemasnob.com, Foils at foilwrapproductions.com, uh-huh. me at twelve oh one beyond.blogspot.com, and use the promo code Drome to maybe get your own Brie Olson pocket anus. We'll see what happens. Pocket anus. <laughs> hey, uh, and real quickly, go to uh, blip.tv uh, slash foil wrapped. I just want to let you all know that there is um, uh, some con footage up there from uh, our time in Chicago. And in there is uh, a, a small clip of the Robert England Q&A. And he um, says he has him. I have him on footage saying that Nightmare 7 was his favorite. All right, fine. And also, you need to help me get to Horror Hound Weekend in November. You can go to my Indiegogo pages or just help me with a donation at 1201beyond.gmail.com. I need help for plane tickets to go to Horror Hound and shoot it all to give you guys 
out there a bunch of free video and behind the scenes, and we'll even get to meet Brad and Jared, whoever they are. Night. <laughs> Just here, I'm not wasting a moment. Don't